0: Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today.
1: Good morning, and welcome to Women Lead Radio, brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Diane Callahan, your host for the Lighthearted Life radio show. Our topic today is living with hope and joy, even during stormy times, even during a journey through illness. And today we have a leading man joining us. His name is Peter Gordon. He's a writer and speaker and a leukemia and COVID survivor. And I absolutely loved his first book. Um, The title is Six Years and Counting, Love, Leukemia, and the Long Road Onward. So welcome, Peter. Welcome to the show.
2: Thanks a lot, Diane. It's my pleasure to be with you.
1: I have been looking forward to this for a long time. Um, you were, I think, one of the very first people who said, yes, I want to be on your radio show. And so I'm excited to talk about, we're going to talk a little bit about your journey through illness, illnesses, I should say, with plural, and um, the learnings that you got from that journey, you know, the, the, the um, souvenirs you brought back from that journey in terms of how it may have changed your life, and how you were able to do all of that with a sense of joy and hope, even in darkest times. So tell me a little bit about um, Six Years and Counting. Tell me about the book that chronicled the journey.
2: Okay. Well, interestingly enough, this, the book started out as nothing more than a blog, a very simple blog just to keep people informed when I was first diagnosed. I had actually heard that there were a lot of rumors going around among my friends and my community, you know, Peter's terminal, Peter's got this, Peter's got that. And I said, wait a minute, let me just start a blog to just keep people posted on what's really going on. And that blog just morphed and continued and grew into not just a, a blog to inform people, but it started to become a sort of a chronicle of my own experiences and my feelings, and, and I started to get very inward uh, as I wrote it, mm-hmm. uh, as well as just writing it to the outside world. And it grew and grew and grew, and we had challenge after challenge uh, for several years. And people started saying, Peter, you ought to turn this into a book. <laughs> so eventually I did. <laughs> 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 it took a lot more work to turn it into a book than it did to just write it the, you know, the first time as a, as, a, as a sort of real-time blog.
1: I totally get that. What what year did you publish your book? Uh
2: night uh 2017.
1: So that was 4 years ago. So you're basically 10 years in counting now, right?
2: Yeah, well actually the the title of the book was a little misleading because when I chose that title, uh, it's it was I was about 5 years after my transplant, that's what I had to supposedly quote cure my leukemia. Uh And I figured, well, I'll be done in about another year. So I chose the title Six Years and Counting. Well, the story continued, and it took several more years to write the the story. So it was about eight years of content. And so now I'm about 12, 13 years past my transplant.
1: Well, I was just going to ask you that. You mentioned your transplant. I know exactly what you're talking about, but I bet our listeners don't. What is this transplant you speak of?
2: Well, when I was diagnosed, and by the way, I was healthy and fit as could be, and suddenly it just came out of the blue. I was diagnosed with a leukemia, which is a form of blood cancer, and the only Mm -hmm. way to cure that is to kill off my bone marrow, which produces blood cells because that was producing cancerous defective cells, and transplant marrow or stem cells from a donor's marrow into me and hope it grows and and starts producing new cells. You have to spend a lot of time and effort finding a matching donor. Uh, You then go in the hospital for about a month or so. It's a pretty brutal process, but eventually uh, my donor's cells were transplanted into me and they started multiplying and growing and and producing healthy cells, and here I am.
1: So um, my my listeners know that but I, too, am a blood cancer survivor. I have um, had non-Hodgkin lymphoma, and I've also had two stem cell transplants, so I totally know what you're talking about. Um, I'm interested in finding out, how did you find your donor?
2: Well, I went through my hospital. Uh, Luckily, I put myself in really good hands by going to a great hospital that really knew their stuff, and they have teams that do the research, And there are all sorts of uh, registries around the world. And the sort of the anchor registry here in the United States is is an organization called Be the Match. It's the National uh, Marrow Donor Program, and they have connections to all the world's databases. And so working in partnership with my cancer hospital in Boston, they uh, eventually found a matching donor. But it was a very difficult, long process. It took about three months. And so the waiting for that donor was one of the, probably the hardest thing we went through because you just, you're just stuck there. You're, it's uncertainty. You can't, you can't do anything except right. just wait, wait, wait and hope.
1: It's hard to um, be in a situation where there's nothing that you personally can do. Have you met your donor?
2: Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, I did. They had a policy where. You had to wait, I think, a year or two years after the transplant for, for, for them to contact both parties. And if they both agreed to uh, be in touch with each other, uh, you're allowed to get in touch. So I did. I met him, and he was living in Los Angeles at the time, and I was in New England. Mm-hmm. I had business out in L.A. I looked him up, and we had the most delightful, wonderful dinner. Uh, I, I mean, it was just Amazing. How, how do you say thank you to somebody like that? So we had a great, <laughs> That's a great exactly dinner. That's exactly what I was thinking. Hey, he, we talked sports. You know, we, just, you know, we both love sports, and uh, that was the connection. And, and we've been in touch off and on ever since. As a matter of fact, uh, he invited Marianne and me to his wedding a few years ago.
1: Isn't that lovely?
2: Yeah. I,
1: um, I too, have been able to get to know my donor. Uh, she is oh, cool. a young mom from Germany, we haven't met in person yet, but we're friends on Facebook and kind of keep tabs on each other's lives. Someday I plan to meet her and her son Leon and try to find words that mean, you know, how do you, what is thank you or don't get I mean, they seem so small. (laughs) I think the best thing is don't don't even try
2: to find words. Just just a big hug and just touch your heart and have a good time. You know, what, what else can you do? It's interesting. I notice a lot of donors come from Germany, and I don't know why. They must have a really good program to publicize uh, people to register for donation over there. So,
1: Yes. And, you know, I know that um, you and I both share a, uh, a love for and a commitment to this organization, Be the Match, the National Marrow Donor Program. And um, while we're on the horn with our listeners, I want to just, give a shout-out to say, hey, go get on the registry. It's just a a swipe in your mouth, a swab. It's not painful. Um, And it's basically they used to do uh, an aspiration of bone marrow from, like, your hip bone. But now, mostly, it's done just like giving blood. And that donation, getting on that list, could make the difference between, you know, a dad watching his kids grow up, a young woman being able to get married and have children you know it's the future it's giving a future to people like you and like me who would not be alive if it were not for these generous donors and so um i and 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 i and i, I must i would be remiss if i didn't say that one of the biggest challenges in this world of stem cell transplantation is finding donors for people who are of mixed ethnicities yep. um Yes. In, yes, in some cultures it's just not part of their cultural makeup to do something like this. Um, and so it, it limits the resources and the hope available to people who are mixed race or maybe, um, you know, have a smaller donor pool. I mean, you and I, I have to say, even though we had that weight, we were so, so lucky to be able to, I mean, basically easily if you figure you you and I both found our donor within 3 months that's a miracle and um there's hundreds and hundreds of other people who are looking for their miracle
2: yeah I'm really glad you put in a little plug for Be The Match. It's it's an organization that I try to support, and you're right. It's so easy, just it's a little Q-tip thing. You swab your cheek, and uh, you send it in, and you're in the registry, and who knows, you may be called. The the thing is, everybody thinks, well, it's just like you find a matching blood type, but it's much more complicated than that. So every donor or every person that registers to become a donor just adds to the pool to increase the likelihood that all of us can find a donor. But you're right, especially mixed race and certain ethnicities have much lower uh, ratios of donors. So yeah, spread the word. uh, It would honor me if everybody listening could just go to Be The Match and register and spread the word about registering.
1: Now I will say this, um, they really prefer uh, people to be on the registry who are between the ages of 18 and about 45 because that's when those stem cells, that bone marrow is the healthiest and strongest and it gives the most hope for those of us who need a transplant. So, um, and I want, I'm, we're going to have a break in a few minutes. And when we come back, we're going to talk a lot about finding hope and joy, even in the middle of the journey. Um, but I would love to talk just real quick. The title of your book includes the word love. And I'm curious how that got mixed in with surviving cancer.
2: Oh, wow. I'm, I'm glad you noticed that. Well, I just put it in there for the <laughs> alliteration of the, of the letter L. No, I'm just kidding. You did uh,
1: not. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, I, I came up with that title pretty late in the story because as I wrote the story, and I, as I said, I, I had my introspection and I realized some of the lessons and things I've learned. I realized that in its own way, certainly not overt, but very subtle, way deep inside, it was sort of a love story. And it's just the fact that I, I wrote the book and I just reflected how much my wife was my partner and support and, and, and the way we struggled through together, it, it just... How could I not mention that love? It was just a huge part of, of the journey, a huge part of what helped me through. And uh, in some crazy way, it, it, it enriched our, our relationship. and It deepened our bond.
1: Oh, my gosh. I, I so understand that. Um, going through something difficult with someone by your side, whether that's your spouse or a friend or a family member or your Mm. dog, (laughs) let's just be honest,
0: it does
1: (laughs) strengthen that bond. And it does, um, it gives you watching over one another and, and being witness to each other's life. And, um, and also it helps us to be our most authentic selves when we know we Mm -hmm. have someone who cares and is there. And that's a huge, um, It's a huge growth opportunity for us because until things go a little sideways, you know, we kind of just skip through the meadow thinking everything's hunky-dory and we don't really think too much about other people's struggles and we don't really think too much about humbling ourselves and being able to ask for and accept help. So um, it really is a growth opportunity as much as everything else. But but let's get into that more after we have our little – um, sponsor break because I have more, more, more things I want to talk to you about. But Great. right now we're going to take a quick moment and we are going to recognize one of our sponsors.
0: Women Lead Radio was brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner Microsoft. The Microsoft mission is to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. Microsoft believes technology is a powerful force for good and they are working to foster a sustainable future where everyone has access to the benefits and the opportunities created by technology. Microsoft believes technology can and should be a powerful force for good and that meaningful innovation can and will contribute to a brighter world in big and small ways. So thank you for your support, Microsoft, and to all our sponsors and partners. And Diane, now back to your show.
1: Wonderful. Thank you, Microsoft. And welcome back to The Lighthearted Life. Our guest today is writer and speaker Peter Gordon, and we are in the midst of a in-depth, wonderful conversation about living through tough times through a journey through illness with hope and joy and and never losing those things, even in the stormiest times. So, Peter, tell me a little bit about how you were able to maintain a sense of hope and joy, even in the midst of a very hard fight with a very assertive cancer.
2: Well, I wish I could distill it into one simple magic bullet, but there really wasn't one. But I can just toss out some things, various things that helped us along the way. And I, I think the most important thing is is sort of a version of that, uh, that famous serenity prayer that everybody's probably heard, you know, d- distilling it down, just sort of accept what you can't change, change what you can and control, and have, know the wisdom to uh, separate the difference between the two. And one mm-hmm. thing that helped me and my wife is just let's just accept what we can't, change and instead of fighting it and, and stressing over it and, and screaming and yelling and, and saying why me we just said okay so what are we going to do and we focused on what we could do together things we could control and that in itself really helped us cope and, and it helped us get along better that was one little thing uh, I think another thing that, that kept our relationship intact during that period and by the way, I should add, my wife then had a very long, arduous health challenge of her own soon after I started recovering. so we went through this together for about two two and a half years but the other other things that really helped, believe it or not, was humor in the darkest mm-hmm. moments of both of our uh, our experiences. There were times we'd look around and we'd just you know we'd look at some some character in the hospital or or some goofy little thing we saw, and we just make l- little lighthearted, humorous comments. Uh, and mm-hmm. that just, uh, humor is so helpful. And one more well, thing. Uh, oh, I'm yes. sorry, Diane. Go ahead, Diane.
1: No, you go. One more thing.
2: One more thing we found really helpful is uh, we came up, along with humor, we came up with little metaphors and little phrases to just help us through uh, of all sites. Uh, And one was something called blanket kicking. And this came from a, a habit of our cat. He'd turn over on his side, and when a blanket was folded on the bed, he'd just start kicking it ferociously. And the thing is, he's just a sweet little gentle cat. But we started humorously using the phrase blanket kicking for those moments when we just wanted to vent and and let yes. out the frustrations and the anger or the the sadness or whatever it was because you can't deny it it's there so we just say okay I'm, I'm just going to blanket kick here and we'd spill it out <laughs> or sometimes you'd spill it out and we'd say well that was just a little blanket kicking and that, that that just allowed us to cope with those those down moments
1: yes and not let them take over right yeah yeah. You know, I think humor is definitely something that we've got to pack in our suitcase when we're getting ready to go on a journey through illness. You can't make it through the other side without being able to laugh. I I often Mm -hmm. say cancer is no kind of fun, but it is kind of funny. (laughs) There are funny things that happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Um, Absolutely. I'll tell
2: you, one of the funny things in in our our first meeting (laughs) – with the, with the team, where we went in yeah. to meet the team and the doctor who was going to hopefully save my life. Uh, and it was a really heavy-duty, intense meeting. Uh, and we learned all sorts of information, and I learned my likelihood of survival wasn't that high and all of that kind of stuff. As we walked out together, my wife <laughs> made some little comment to me about the goofy tie my doc- or the, the doctor was wearing. And we both laughed about his silly, I forget what it was, but his goofy tie. And we laughed about it in the midst of this. And that's that's just an example of how we coped.
1: You know, uh, I was in, for my first transplant, I was in a clinical trial. And the doctor researcher who was running the trial, I swear, was the love child between uh, Benjamin Franklin and Doc from Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah. And my husband and I, Chuck and I, had a lot of laughs at his
2: expense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, there's, there's all sorts no. of things around. There's, yeah, just a, it's such a great therapy. I, they say physiologically, laughter and humor, it does something to your blood pressure or whatever. But you know, I don't know. It just yes. it feels good. It just so humor is. But you know, you can't force it. And I think one of the things I've always found, you can't just impose know, being up and and fun and happy all the time and just so when it's right, humor is great. But when it's not, you just accept it and, you know, you'll find mm-hmm. it another time to find the humor.
1: Um, I know that you have also had a journey through COVID last year, um, you and Marianne both. And so yes. I'm wondering, did your earlier experience with leukemia and going through the transplant, prepare you at all for going through COVID?
2: Yeah, it's a great question, Diane, and absolutely yes. Uh, it, for so many reasons. One of them, just very sort of tangible reason, is my wife was coming back from Europe and she sort of made a run for it, hopefully, before the COVID was spreading. This was really early. <laughs> this was last March. And
1: uh-huh.
2: on just one level, I had to prepare our, our house to be sanitary, and we both had separation, and I had to find masks. And we had done this before when I came back from the transplant because cause
1: mm-hmm. you have no immune
2: system, so you have to be in quarantine. So it was very old hat to just set up total quarantine and all the, the protocols and practices. That that was easy. Uh, so And then certainly just the, the care and the concern and the focusing on the tangible things you could control, that also helped us. Yeah.
1: Me too. I have so many different masks, and when you know, because I have to have a mask on, especially during cold and flu season every year. And so people are like complaining. I'm like, dude, welcome to my world. <laughs> you know.
2: You know when, now, when when Marianne was coming over from Europe, and and we weren't she we didn't know if she had COVID then, but we still had to be really cautious and quarantine. That was when it was the furor was taking over. And you couldn't find mm-hmm. masks anywhere, and I reached mm-hmm. into an old storage box I had, and I found a half full box of masks I had worn like t- twelve years earlier when i when I was coming out of my transplant and that was the, the were, first those, mask. were those
1: were those the know. green the green and white striped ones uh
2: yeah, sort of blue blue
1: yeah, kind of blueish blue screen and kind of, yeah, because yeah, I remember those because all the transplant people had to wear those. <laughs> and I probably <laughs> still have half a box of them somewhere in my house as well. Um, yeah. Now, I want to talk to you, we have, we're have we getting kind of close to the end, but I want to talk to you about your next book, and which will be called Many Medicines Besides Drugs. And I know that you made a, a really wonderful keynote address um, I was there, as a matter of fact, at the National Bone Marrow Survivorship Conference oh, last you. year on this topic. And so I know that you were um, working a way to put the finishing touches on this book. How's it coming?
2: Well, first of all, thank you for, for, the, uh, for those nice words. You never know when you do these remote talks who's listening and who's out there. So I know. Uh, I, <laughs> I appreciate it. And to tell you the truth, Life got in the way, and so it's come. It, it was put on hold for a while. I have it all; it's sort of ready to go, but a lot of things happened in our life and health, and work. So uh, it's still sort of not perfected yet. But probably by the end of this year, I want to get it out there. So that's where it all is. All right, so but Peter, the, the concepts it. are still the same.
1: I'm going to issue you a challenge because we've talked about this before. So I'm working on my second book. Uh, Journey Through Illness, a guidebook for a trip you never wanted to take. And so you and me, let's just make a pinky swear right now that we will have our books finished by the end of this year.
2: I would uh, totally love to do that, and we'll do this in public (laughs) in front of all the witnesses listening. I know! We're going to stay in touch with each other, bug each other, nag each other, support each other, whatever it takes to get get our books out. Okay?
1: It's a deal. Now, it's a deal, and the reason I wanted to challenge you on that is because the message of your book is so powerful and so important. People need it; you, the world needs this book, Peter. So, share with okay. me for just a few minutes. What? Tell me about the message. Tell our listeners about the message of many drugs, many medicines besides drugs.
2: Okay, thank you. Well, very, very much on the surface. It, what it does not mean is. I'm not writing about alternate medicines, you know, herbs right. and spices. You know, that, that's, I leave that totally aside. Medicines I mean metaphorically. And uh, w- there are all kinds of different approaches to help people uh, through difficult health challenges. And my focus with this book I, I think reflects a lot of my own focus all the way through. It's just sort of focus on the simple, basic, down-to-earth, tangible things you can do. And so I'd say that's the main theme of, of this upcoming book. And it's just going to deal with little uh, sort of everyday things like uh, plan your meetings with your health care providers. Write things mm-hmm. down. Write questions. The power of asking good questions. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, the power of metrics and milestones and dates and numbers and that kind of thing. You know, I've already mentioned another thing that, that's going to go in the book, uh, Diane, and that's the power of metaphors. Come up with your own, you know, your own phrases and, and, and metaphors and images that, that mean something, and that's really powerful, much more powerful than just taking a generic phrase that somebody else has. So those are a few, yes. a few of these things.
1: So let me ask you. First of all, if people want to get in touch with you, because I'm sure our listeners are thinking, oh, my gosh, I know someone who needs that book, or I know someone who needs Peter to come speak at their event. How can people get, get in touch with you, Peter?
2: Uh, well, there are, there are several ways. Let me first – I'm very happy to give my email address. That's okay, right? Okay. Am I allowed to do that? Okay.
1: And oh, absolutely.
2: It's, it's Gordon PD, and I'll spell it G-O-R-D-O-N-P-D, as in police department. P D at live.com, L-I-V-E dot com. And you, anyone can also contact me through my author page on Amazon. Just look on Amazon for six years and counting, and... Probably you'll find it, if not Love, Leukemia, and the Long Road Onward. You go on that page, you can see information about my book, but also I have an author page and contact information.
1: Perfect. And as we are wrapping up today, I want to ask you one last question, which is this. How have you changed as a result of your cancer and transplant and COVID journeys? How have they changed you for the better?
2: Well, that's a, great, that's a great question, and, and it's interesting. That in, in writing the book, I, as I told you, I was trying to be reflective, and I reflected on a lot of that. And uh, I would say two ways. Number one, not that uncommon. You just become more appreciative. I, I've become much more appreciative of, of simple things, the little things, everyday things. Yes, we're still striving for the big dreams and the long-term things, but you just notice things and appreciate them uh, all the more. Going right back to what I said about just having a chuckle about your doctor's tie or (laughs) little things like your your pets and animals and things like that. And that leads to the second thing. I have become much more sensitive and maybe soft-hearted and especially mm-hmm. toward animals, toward people who are struggling, people who are having a hard time. I, I, it's just softened my heart somehow, and I, I'm happy about that. I, I'm glad it happened.
1: You know, I love that you just said that. I'm glad it happened. I remember when I was first diagnosed, a woman I worked with said someday, she said, God is going to use this in your life in a, a very magnificent way, And someday you're going to be grateful that you had cancer. And I said, you should not be drinking on the job. (laughs) Because I thought, what are you thinking? Grateful to have cancer. And I'll tell you what, if she wasn't right, it changed my life in all the best, most important ways. And I am grateful. And I'm also very grateful to you, Peter, for being our guest today, for being our leading man on The Lighthearted Life. And I want to say a special thanks to all our listeners in the United States and internationally because we're an international show. So thank you very much to listeners. We'll be back again for another Women Lead Radio Show, Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time. And it has been my sincere pleasure to be your host today. Thank you for listening, and I want you to have a great week, and I want you to live your brightest, most lighthearted life, even in the midst of the storms you may be going through, because there's always, 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 something to be grateful for and something to look forward to and someone who could use your helping hand and then you can experience the healing power of helping other people. So on that note, Peter, I say goodbye to you for now and I take up our challenge as we go forward and um, we will be finishing our books together and we might just have to have another radio show as we launch both of our books together. What do you think?
2: That would be a great idea. I'd love to do that in public. <laughs> <laughs> You're more likely to follow us. In public!
1: Through. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now we've said it. Now we must do it. So, um, And it's, and it's, it's going to be a great adventure to finish these books that are going to be so helpful to other people who are facing their own struggles, their own journeys, um, their own uh, opportunities to grow and to become more joyful, to become more grateful and to become more kind, more kind to other people that are struggling as well. Yes. So, again, thank you, Peter. Thank you to our listeners. And that is our show for today. Look forward to having more shows coming out in the future. Women
0: Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where life-focused business-to-business executive and professional women connect collaborate and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.